Hey, Smart Firefighting community. Welcome to a 10-part miniseries from the show floor from the Fire Rescue International Show, hosted by the International Association of Fire Chiefs in Kansas City. You will hear from entrepreneurs, fire chiefs, and thought leaders from across the fire service talking about challenges, change management, and the future of technology. So many good stories in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. We are live here, day two, at the FRI show in Kansas City, alongside a dear friend of mine, Cindy L. from the Firefighter Cancer Foundation. Cindy, how you doing? Good morning, Kevin. Yeah, it's really exciting to be in Kansas City. Not only does this town have a really cool vibe to it, but to see all of this brain power and all of this energy come together in such positivity in one location, it's like positivity overload. So how can you not be good on a morning like this? I couldn't agree more. I do like surrounding myself with smart people like yourself, you know, really elevating the IQ in the room. So thank you. Thank you. And there are so many smarter people here. (laughs) I have been having fun in sponge mode, just continuing to absorb and, and challenge folks and ask intentional questions. You are very good at asking intentional questions. And this morning, I'm asking you intentional questions. Okay, bring it, buddy. And I know we could probably talk about a thousand things, even just seeing your table right here. The Firefighter Cancer Foundation is doing so many important works. The work that you and Webb and the entire FFCF team has, has done over the years um, is really noble. I commend the work that you're doing, but I want to sort of circle it up into something that's really near and dear to a lot of our hearts and emotional time right now with everything that's been going on in Maui. And there's obviously been some of these devastating wildfires that have, have got the news and there's all these different various headlines, but I want to narrow in on in particular some of the, the processes and some of the operations from how firefighters and, and first responders and a lot of support team have been responding and, and kind of get your thoughts in terms of how we've been responding in terms of what kind of how that overlaps with some of the work that you're doing in terms of our things that we are doing, making exposure tracking, exposure to carcinogens worse. Are there things that we have learned that we're applying that we're doing better? But yeah, I'd love to kind of get your your hot take on, on that. Sure. So, you know, it's really interesting when and I'm so proud of the team at the Firefighter Cancer Foundation because we're a think tank. We look at things outside the box. We look at things from an angle that many others don't necessarily assimilate until we put all the pieces of the puzzle together and we paint that picture and that vision for them. They go, oh, they have that aha moment. But that's because I'm about to hit my almost 40 years in the fire service space, which is mind-boggling to me because I don't know where the time went. And yet I look back at where we were when I first started in the fire service and I look at where we are now. And I look at how I entered this particular space of cancer and toxins and firefighters dying and their families being impacted forever and how that's basically metamorphosized through the years. You know, in 1989, I found out that all of us at my training academy were exposed to ultra hazardous PCBs, courtesy of our electric company who donated used transformer oil to us. And it was highly carcinogenic and it was documented and there was discovery that was done that showed, you know, unfortunately, these, these companies have products that make us sick and they look at ways to dispose of these products. And we need to get better in the future moving forward. And that was one of the initial lessons that was a big wake up call. It caused me to look at Agent Orange because we have veterans that go into the fire service. These veterans were all presenting with this really bizarre rash. 
and this bizarre rash was tied into the Agent Orange exposure from Vietnam. So that opens the DOD door of, of looking at DOD exposures and our military and veteran exposures. And, you know, kind of, so we, we've opened Pandora's box and now it's how many different mini vestibules are in that box as we peel back this giant onion of cancer and disease and exposures. And how do we change and make this better for the future? Because that's really what this is about. You can focus on the negativity of the past, but that's not gonna change what we've already done. We need to do better moving forward. And I know that phrase, and I, and I just heard Dr. Lori Moore talk about that in the opening session of, we're not gonna let this Maui crisis and disaster go to waste. No. You hear that phrase, you never let a good disaster, never, now I say good, never let a disaster go to waste in terms of, uh, obviously there's been terrible loss of life and, and you know, rest in peace to all, everyone. You know, we're at, we're at the trade show here, so uh, excuse some of the, the tape being pulled up next to us. But the idea of like, what, what are we learning and what, what will we learn from, in particular, from this, this Maui exposure in terms of, again, whether it's the, the way that you just talked about Agent Orange and exposure to some of these foam, but yeah. whether it's, you know, again, the PPE we're using, it's the foam we're using, whether it's just the, also just like the tracking reporting side of it, what are we going to learn? What have we learned? Or yeah. maybe what went wrong yeah. within Maui? And ultimately, what are, what are we hopefully going to learn from, from this? So we were already looking at water quality in the Hawaiian Islands because of PFAS, and that was already a challenge pre the, the Maui experience. And the first words that popped in my mind this morning when I woke up to, to think of what, you know, today's another day, and, and I'm not sure what day they're in of their event of this, whether it's day seven or day nine or day 10. But the first thought was they've gone from literally paradise to apocalypse. And when you live in paradise, you think that everything is amazing and nothing is really truly going to go wrong. And yet nature spins whatever they're gonna spin that we can't control. And this is where we in the fire service have to be better planners and preparers and preppers. And I hate to say that, majority of us are still behind the eight ball in this service. So bringing the brains together to keep looking at these lessons that will be learned out of every one of these catastrophes, whether it's tornadoes or floods or hurricanes or fires, there is always a lesson, there's always a, a way that we can do something better, whether it's how we pre-plan, how we bring in what we're going to need on the back end, and how we respond, and how we kind of gather the troops, if you will. When you look at the number of cadaver dogs that are going to have to be sent in to this, this is probably going to be historic in what they're going to accomplish in Maui from a cadaver dog standpoint and all of the death. But unfortunately, the death isn't over. We have an immediate level of death from the event itself. And then for years to come, unfortunately, we're going to have death from disease. And that's what ties back into the firefighter cancer realm. And we look at literally from a cellular standpoint, how all of the environmental things affect our bodies and our mind, because they really, they hit our mind first. So what we see influences how our body responds, both physiologically and mentally. And then looking from a cellular standpoint, how the toxins, the air, the water, and the nutrition, the food, and lack of sleep. How do all these things impact our bodies beyond? And we've got such amazing experts in the fire service and DOD world that are already working these things and studying these things. 
but I feel like we need to almost fast track this even more to put it together better at the next level. You know, you're, you're looking at an entire island of responders that not only lost everything physically, but they've lost everything mentally, and they've gone through that tremendous calamity of what they're seeing and doing. And then to recover from that, what we saw with the 9-11 community, when you're still immersed in that scenario, you can't begin to recover. So you look at all the folks that moved out of New York post 9-11 because mentally they couldn't recover from the trauma of those events. Are we gonna see the same thing happen with the folks from Maui that in order to recover, you'll have folks that they'll have to leave to be able to heal to whatever extent they can. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> it, it is huge. And it's more just, again, it, it, when you're in it, you're just kind of in, you're in this crisis mode and you're a little bit scatterbrained and that's why yeah. I really acknowledge it. And I appreciate the context you talked about. Obviously there's the immediate loss of life and recipes to everyone that unfortunately is, is impacted by this right now in Maui, but then also the kind of ongoing challenges, whether you mentioned the, the Agent Orange challenge with the, with the U.S. military, particularly during Vietnam, or the, the open burn pits, and then obviously the, the post-9-11 mm -hmm. committee, but even just, again, the, you know, unfortunately the death continues. I mean, we're all dying every day. Sure. Having said that, you know, with this environmental influence diseases, what are some ways of like avenues for help? You know, what are mm -hmm. some things that you're doing and some actionable steps that people can take if they're concerned, if they're worried, if they wanna to, you know, get a screen or if they wanna get the proper resources, what are some of the, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation research work? What's available for people who are interested in trying yeah, to take action? Medically right now, we are deep into biomarker research and deep into cellular health work and research. We're taking advantage of the relationships that we have within the American Society of Clinical Oncology, which are the best of the best brains in cancer world. And we're looking at various products on the market and processes for doing blood biomonitoring. We know the body is giving off signals early that it is sick. We know we're not accessing those signals fast enough in many of our cases. So if we can educate the fire service, and that actually rolls into the community and even part of the community risk reduction model. When you look at that transition from our fire world to community world and how they interconnect. But for firefighters, we have to keep our first responders healthy first so they can respond to take care of others. That means their physical health and we're not assessing it as well as we could be in so many places in this country right now. The volunteer side of the house doesn't have the same access to medical care that typically career fire departments do. And, and we need to continue to work to move that needle in that direction. It goes with taking the wellness and fitness initiative document and that standard that continues to be updated by again, those amazing brains in medical and science world and transitioning it into the action plan. And that action plan is the firefighter physical continuing to improve and go deeper into the look into the body. We need to look at our benchmarks for how people are screened and how insurance covers those screenings because there's no reason insurance shouldn't be covering this. Not with what firefighters are exposed to that's been documented already. We have that science and that science continues to grow. So based on fact, not based on emotion, we continue to look at the physical health and how we can better accomplish medical monitoring and make it affordable. You know, do we get creative in putting together healthcare groups or contingencies by, you know, state 
region, blood work by state region, there are ways that we could really be doing this better that we haven't even tapped into yet. We're getting better with behavioral health, and that seems to be a big push right now, which is great. But again, how much of that is really being covered by insurance, and how does that transition back into part of the physical care model? Because the two really should go hand in hand. You can't go for a physical now with a provider without them asking your mental health status, which I find very interesting. So at least medicine and insurance and that is moving forward. But again, how do we position that for the fire service and make that work to our advantage? Taking advantage of our community hospital partners is something that is hugely overlooked. There, in every hospital, there is usually a nonprofit funding venue available that could be helping to cover firefighter physicals and medical monitoring and firefighter research into firefighter health. And yet we don't tap it enough. So that's something else that people could be more proactive in doing in their first due and in their states. Same thing with relationships with their National Cancer Institute Hospital, which is the gold standard for cancer care, not being tapped enough. So these are all things that the Firefighter Cancer Foundation is working on behind the scenes, but every day of the week, there's something in this realm that we're reviewing, working, moving forward in this. We have a survey we're gonna be putting out this week in conjunction with one of our national partners with regards to cancer care and advocacy about what our folks really are receiving when they go for cancer care and the deficiencies that they're being hit with so that again, we can improve patient care. And that's patient care for our own, our own loved ones. That's huge. If our house isn't in order, we can't go out and take care of others as well as we should because we're distracted. So this all goes back to that life work balance and having our house in order. And then when you look at what is actually in that house, okay, what toxins do you bring into your house? Whether it's your home with your family or your firehouse with your firehouse family, what toxins are there? And can we do that better? We're getting there, and I'm seeing wonderful movement into more environmentally friendly products. So our Ribbon Ready program actually is looking to work with companies and products both in the market and coming to market that want to improve our quality of life and how we conduct business. This is why we have to look at, are these products and processes really valid? And to be able to do that and then translate that from NFPA code language which is language that we have to have in our framework for operating, but it's another, it's another form of, of speak that our line chiefs and even our firefighters, many don't understand. So to be able to function as a translator and to be that ambassador in between is the role the Firefighter Cancer Foundation has is, is moved into. And we're proud to be working in this space of combining the tech, the education, the understanding and baseline knowledge as we move forward. I appreciate your ability to translate that stuff because I do. I, when you see some of these NFPA reports and these language, it's, it's a different kind of it's a different language. It's important, like you said, from a accreditation standpoint, a standard standpoint. But yes. in the end of the day, it comes down to a fire chief leading the helm and having a series of firefighters under them to make sure that they're going to take care of themselves so they can take care of others. And I think Absolutely. that's the biggest thing I've heard you say. If you can't, if your house is not in order, you cannot effectively do what the fire do your job as a firefighter right and i think that's an important thing where i appreciate the ffcf's stance in that and you know and i see all these different pieces of literature on your table and kind of gets like a continued plug for you and the organization 
what are some ways that if a first responder is trying to leverage, whether it's exposure tracking or mm -hmm. whether it's trying to, hey, I, I need help. I don't know what to start. Like, what are some of these resources that you have yeah. that are available that firefighters and, and all public safety members need to be aware of? So we are more than happy to do a one-hour action call. And what's great is we have a very simple template that we deploy to basically give that cancer control back to the person who's been diagnosed. Because again, when you get that phone call, and I don't do this because I'm a cancer survivor, but as one that lives with cancer and I go through checks every six months, I get it when you get that phone call or while you're going through that updated testing and waiting for those results to come back, your mind is somewhere else. No matter how much you try to busy yourself and concentrate on other things, it's always there. It's always lurking. So if we can give that sense of control and a plan and, and firefighters, it's see the problem, solve the problem. And you have a protocol for solving that problem. So we're basically giving that person diagnosed a protocol to be able to address their challenge at hand, which is cancer, or another occupational disease that may not be a cancer yet, but because of the broad range of research that we've been doing over the 30 plus years, we can address that too and refer to the appropriate experts, whether it's in epidemiology or toxicology or other research realms of chemistry and environmental medicine that are here and they wanna help us. And we're currently actively recruiting the young brains coming out of medical school and coming out of these occupational health programs to add even more smart people to work in our realm to help support first responders, fire, police, military. What I love about how we've transitioned, we started literally with a oh my gosh moment and a few other choice words I won't share publicly that I'm sure we all know well, but we've got cancer. Two, all right, we know we have cancer, but now what do we do with it? You can form advocacy in, in many realms, but it comes back to the practicality of how you work through it and how you address it and how you survive it. Our survivorship process also is still very much in need of development. And as that's coming to fruition in different forms to support our own in the fire service, we're looking at, again, those holes that need to be plugged and we're working to plug them. And that's what our team loves to do. We like taking a, a scenario and there may be great folks working in that, that realm, but we dissect it. And then we look at how can we do it better and what are we missing? And who else can we engage that maybe doesn't realize they could engage to make a difference? And that's fun. And when you can take something that is so heinous as a potential death of someone and flip it and make it that positive, that's what keeps us going every day because we know we're making a difference, even on the toughest days. You are making a difference. And it, Thank you. Freaking choice words fires me up, uh, Cindy, <laughs> because I, I see it, I feel it. Every time I'm with you, I'm just like, I want to run through a brick wall and just kind of keep, keep banging the drums on the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. And if I could give you one kind of final sort of mic drop, you know what? If you could get, leave us with like a challenge, a question, a quote, something, what's kind of a, a final moment of fire from Cindy? Wow. You know, we just entered our 19th year in this space as a nonprofit, which is very rare anymore. And to look at the team that I have, this isn't just the Cindy show. This is a team of folks that all give of themselves that I've been able to handpick 
and that have come and have joined this effort and they give of themselves to serve everyone else. I think the biggest thing right now is we're looking for more brains. So if you have a hazmat or a chemistry brain or technology-based line of thinking and you want to engage, come join us because we have so much to do and so much to create and so much that I feel like we haven't even begun to tap yet. You know, as we look at technologies changing literally every hour, we need to keep up. And in order to keep up, that means we have to keep building our acuity of understanding and such. And that means finding those smarter people to join us. So please come join us because this is a y'all come. And if you've got an honest heart and you're ethical in your work and what you want to do in serving humanity, this is where you need to come to. Come join the Firefighter Cancer Foundation team. I love it. There's a place for you out there. Come continue to push the industry forward and, and help first responders get their house in order. Um, Thank you. So we can continue to- uh, Build stronger houses. Build a stronger house and just continue to support the, the best profession in the world. So. Cindy, thank you so much for everything you do. I love you, everything Kevin. the Firefighter Cancer Foundation works on and keep going. We're here for the duration, that's for sure. Thanks, Kevin. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day, and together we can advance the future of smart firefighting.